things get a little bit grim. But this is especially heinous. Did you tell the police that she was murdered, May? Nope. Witchy ghost stuff. Ah! Don't make me scared. A spooky girl amateur hour. Just a, a musical intro. I am here for it. Hi. Hi. That's Taylor. That's Jenny over there. We haven't introduced ourselves in like at least 30 episodes. That that's true. Do, um do you guys not know? 30. I would give us four. Okay. I would think I would I would say solid four. Hi, welcome to A Little Bit Grim. It's a podcast. You found it. Uh, we tell wild stories. This is a grab bag, so you don't know what you're going to get. You're getting a collection of wild stories today. And that's all this is, which brings me so much joy. It's just the weirdest news stories, creepy bastas, listeners episode, listener stories, whatever we find. It's like little small things that don't fit into any of the like regular cycle episodes, but they need to be told. We are fascinated by these things. So then we assume that you are also fascinated by them. We hope you like it. If you do, you can leave us a review. If you hate it, you still can, but make it funny. Or just don't. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> My tender soul. <laughs> Taylor's feelings are on high alert right now. <laughs> yes. So if get, wait a week, it's, if you're going to leave us a bad review. Yeah. We do love a construct. It, listen, if you have constructive criticism, just DM it to me on Twitter. That's true. I'm open to constructive criticism as long as you start with like an intro, a body, and a closing. Taylor and wants annotations. I would like it to be an argumentative paper, please. <laughs> Ew, you made me squeamish. <laughs> My first argumentative paper was 10 pages over eminent domain. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, was, I was really, I was extra liberal. I was real fired up over the idea that the government could come in and take your land. Take your house. I'm... <laughs> My libertarian roots were showing. What were you, 12? I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't write an argumentative paper when I was 12. I have high hopes for you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. So I just posted our Father's Day post. Yeah. And I had to find a picture of your dad. Yeah. And I got so far back in your Facebook oh, photos. No. So far. Oh, my God. I got to private my account. Fuck. No, you better fucking not. I will kill you. <laughs> um, It was magical. It was oh. hilarious. I. Oh, man. There's one picture in particular that's not even that old, but it was... God, 10 years ago at this point, where you're holding a tarantula. Oh, no. Which is probably one of my favorite pictures. You took that photo. I did. I was there. Uh And I remember the girl at PetSmart was like, if you drop this tarantula, I will have a panic attack. Yeah. And Jenny's like, I have no promises. (laughs) I couldn't. She was lucky it stood still. Yes, it did. It didn't do anything crazy. No. That is the closest I've... Listen, I have to tell you, with... What? Tell me. A happy side effect uh-huh. of um, all of the growth and healing that I have done in the past three months, yeah. which is, you know, be, be, we have such a romanticized view of healing, but it's like so gross it's and scabby. gritty. Scabby. It's they don't tell you about the scabby. No, they don't tell you about this. Sometimes it's crusty and sometimes it's oozy, and you just go back and forth, and, and it, it itches. It's disgusting until it, it's healed, and then it's healed, and you just have a little scar, and it fades over time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But 
uh, lucky side effect of this is my anxiety and fear are so focused on other things that my arachnophobia is like gone. It's like dissipated. A spider startled me the other day and I literally said, bruh, that's oh. all. <laughs> I didn't cry. I didn't scream. I killed it no myself. Hives. No hives. This I, is really good for you. I know. All I gave it was a bruh and then a sandal. And that's all. Wow. Thank you. So proud. Thank you. I am sad, however, though, that I will not be able to just smash a spider with my bare hands in your house and watch your face, though. <laughs> That'll you still can... freak me out. <laughs> That'll still get me. If you can get it yourself. I can. I have to have a tool. Okay. I am not going in. Whack. I'm not going in with a paper towel hand, glove hand, bare hand, no hands. I there You needs... don't want to hear the crunch. <laughs> <laughs> well great now it's back no it's not you have control over it that's true you do so yes anyway great great do you want to go first or do you want me to go first um you go first okay so this was a suggestion from our facebook group and something that i've always been really interested in and it never occurred to me that this actually fits into podcast land oh so i'm happy to talk about it okay so um it is called a mort safe have you ever heard of one a what okay no. Who it, suggested this? Oh, um, was it Katie? It might have been Katie. Okay. Uh, I'll have to look. Um, but when you look at it, it looks like a cage that is fitted over a grave. Oh. <gasps> oh, this was Katie. Okay, great. I saw the graphic. Yep. Uh, so when I first saw one as a vampire-obsessed teen, <laughs> I was for sure that this was to prevent vampires from rising after they've been buried. Or perhaps keeping something dead like Prince Imhotep from The Mummy. Ah. I was a very dramatic child. <laughs> However, it is a lot less supernatural and a lot more true crimey. Ooh. The more safe is to keep people out of graves ah. instead of keeping something inside. The Mort safe was invented in 1816, and they are iron devices that weigh an actual shit ton and come in many different designs. The iron can- uh, comes together in a grid to mm-hmm. like make a... Make a grid around the coffin. Okay. And it has to be unlocked with two keys and two people have to lift it off. So, like, you can't do it by yourself. Oh. During the time, 1800s, medical students were trying to learn about anatomy. And the best way to do that was dissecting human remains. Okay. However, there was a supply issue as the government were the people who was controlling the supply and that the only... um, bodies that they would allow medical students to work on were uh, convicted felon fel- uh, criminals who had been executed. Ugh. Uh, so people were just trying to dig up bodies for medical research. <gasps> really? Yep. What a gross reason. Yep. Uh, the cases of grave robbing that came to light caused riots, damaged property, and even fatal attacks. In the early 19th century, with great increase in numbers of schools and students, there was continual rifling of secluded graveyards, uh, fights in city burial grounds, and other disturbances. Men were employed to steal bodies and transport them from place to place for sale to medical schools. Revelations led to public outrage, particularly in Scotland, where there was great reverence for the dead and a literal belief in the resurrection. The mort safe was placed over the coffins for about six weeks. Then it was removed for further use when the body inside was sufficiently decayed. Sometimes 
churches bought them and hired them out. Societies were also formed to purchase them and control their use with annual membership fees and charges to non-members. So that you could rent them. I am aghast. I know. But when you look at it, it really looks like somebody was like, there's a fucking demon in it. Yeah. Like, we got to keep the demon down. No, it's to keep grave robbers out. Ew. Yep. So much grosser for some reason. I know. I'm not saying I prefer demons, but like, damn. I know. And that's, um, I can't remember when it was, but at some point when uh, the skeletons that, you know, you see in a doctor's office that like hang, those are actually really expensive. And in some cases, it's cheaper to get a real body. And so in the, I don't want to like misquote, but. In earlier modern times, a lot of those would be real. I love that. And are you allowed to have like real human remains nah. aside from like cremains? Um, I don't think privately. That's I don't a, know. That's a bummer. If in like a school, like a medical school, you probably can. If I die, will you keep my skull on your mantle? Um, no, because I don't want to get arrested for that. What if it's legal? How am I going to get your skull? I'm going to bequeath it to you. If you bequeath it to me, I'll keep it. Okay. And if, like, a lawyer person in a suit and tie hands it to me okay. and promises me that I'm not going to get arrested, then yes. I don't want a lawyer to touch my it. skull. I wouldn't survive a jail You know that. That's fair. They have gross food. <laughs> yeah. That would be the death of me for sure. Yes. <laughs> the sloth food. It would food. be the food. <laughs> um, okay. So, my grab bag. This is... um. A really well-written, like, original creepypasta. I can't wait. About a restaurant. What? In Colorado. Okay. It was posted by Taryn Hyde on Facebook. Bear with me. I'm going to put on, like, my audible voice. Please do. No one goes to Casa Bonita for the food. You have to get food there in order to get in, but you don't go there just for the food. They don't really serve you either. You have to order from a menu on the wall. You get a lunch tray, and it's literally like a cafeteria line. You grab your plate, like and then you... It's like Chipotle. Okay. You grab your plate, and then you follow your server who seats you. It's not a restaurant in the same sense that Olive Garden or McDonald's is a restaurant. It's a restaurant in the sense that they sell you plates of prepared food. People go to Casa Bonita for the experience. The Casa Bonita experience is completely indescribable, to be fully honest. The place is bigger on the inside, almost supernaturally so. Mm-mm. Time doesn't pass there, either. It seems to be like a pocket universe, or perhaps liminal space. It's really quite surreal. Like standing between two mirrors and seeing infinite versions of yourself. Kids are running around you and you hear music thrumming on speakers, or at least you think you hear it. Maybe there are no speakers. Maybe the thrumming is the heartbeat of the universe itself. Ooh. If you pay extra, you can get tokens to spend at the arcade. Where when you play, you get tickets that you can trade for prizes. Only it seems that the arcade is in a different part of the universe from the rest of the restaurant. It's weird. It seems to be a pocket dimension. Light doesn't seem to work normally. It's slower. Warped. Oh, I don't like that. I know. And when you go to trade in your tickets, you squeeze between energetic children and they feel almost transparent. They feel artificial. Nope. They touch you, but you do not feel them. Uh-uh. You do not see their faces, and they do not see yours. Gross. The person dealing out prizes is a god in a fading cosmos. Whatever you choose seems to vanish out of your pocket when you leave the arcade, and you don't remember winning it. There is a man-made waterfall in the main building. It's where the employees put on shows for patrons. 
indoor cliff divers leap into the pool below, then swim up to high-five the people waiting for them at the bottom. You hold your hand out. Their hand passes through yours, and suddenly your whole body goes cold. Your spine is made of ice. When you look down at them, they smile at you knowingly and move on to the next person. And when they are finished, they disappear under the water to swim away. Then you blink. There is no one there. The cliff diver is at the top of the waterfall. He hasn't even jumped yet. Who went through you? Black Bart's cave is an experience. You walk through and you're supposed to be scared. It's dark and sometimes things light up and make noise. And at one point you walk into a giant threshold painted like a mouth. And you go down steps painted like flesh. And as you do this... What? Hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. You go through a mouth and then you go through painted flesh? You go into a cave that is painted like a mouth. Uh Uh-huh. And then you go down steps that are painted like flesh. No. (laughs) As you do this, the child in front of you takes a step and suddenly sinks down. Their foot is being sucked into the meaty floor. They scream. They are pulled into a hungry, living creature. Everyone turns and watches, unconcerned, and the child claws and grabs for you, but you can do nothing but watch. Their every move hastens their demise, and the last thing you see of them is a desperately waving hand. The person behind you mutters, glad it wasn't me. The line continues. You leave and find an employee. You tell them about the child. He shrugs. That happens on Tuesdays. It is not Tuesday. That's gross. You buy some cotton candy, expecting a nice sugary treat, and the man takes your money and makes it for you fresh with dead, empty eyes. You watch excitedly. As time goes on, you realize that along with the cottony sugar, human hairs have begun to wrap around the white (gasps) paper cone. You want to say something, but the man turns and looks at you. His eyes bore deep holes into your soul, and you realize that as much more hair appears on the candy machine, less hair appears on the bodies of people around you, and they don't seem to notice, instead continuing to go about their business. He leaves the cone in the machine for perhaps far longer than he should, and when he pulls it out, a mass of blue cotton candy and human hair flops at the end. You silently take it and nod. Before you go, you decide to investigate the gift shop to purchase something to memorialize your experience. You will miss your experience. It was a good experience. When you walk down the stairs, the noises from the restaurant behind you are suddenly cut off, and you turn around. A white wall of nothing has appeared behind you, as if the level had failed to load in a video game. You walk back up the stairs, and the restaurant appears again, and all the noises associated with it do as well. Hmm, you think, but shrug it off. You go back to the shop and begin to look around through the available merchandise. Many of the items are large, and many of them are small, and some have teeth, and almost all are alive. It isn't long before you realize that the deafening silence seems to override every noise you should be making. Your footsteps, the sound of you putting items back, your own breathing. It is silent. You find a shirt you like. It says, Spring Break, Miami Beach, 1974. Like many of the items in the gift shop at Casa Bonita, I go to the cashier who rings it up and then waves goodbye to you as you turn to leave. Only then you find that the stairs you enter through are no longer there and there is only a wall. I cannot help you, says the cashier behind you. It does not want us to leave. It does not want us to leave Casa Bonita. There must be some way out, you say nervously. The cashier shakes their head. It does not want us to leave Casa Bonita. It does not want us to leave. Weeks pass. You love Casa Bonita. You love it. You love it. My skin is trying to remove itself from my body. <laughs> Ew. I had the biggest heebie-jeebies reading this in bed at like 1130. 
I am it's super gross. The worst part of Casa Bonita is a real restaurant in Denver or somewhere in Colorado. Like, obviously, it's not a parallel universe, but like, is it though? Well, I, I've never been there. They Add shut it to the list. They shut down for COVID. They're just getting ready to reopen. I found them on Yelp. I am uncomfortable. I know. I am. Uh, gross. It has um very uh welcome to Night Vale vibes. It has nightmare vibes. Like that's what it sounds like you're just describing a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. Like the other, the other night I had a nightmare that I couldn't save any cats. I wonder where that came from. Huh. Um but they were <laughs> so stupid. I laughed myself when I woke up, but I was like it was a traumatizing dream, but then like Oof. reality dream, I was like that's stupid. Stupid. Um, they were catfish, <laughs> but they were cats, like living in a stream. Oh, and they were perfectly fine there. But I had to rescue them, and it wasn't until I woke up that I was like, "Fuck Taylor, catfish. Fuck. So- Why were you thinking about catfish? <laughs> You're stupid." <laughs> but they had big, like, round mouths, like bass do. They were like, oh. <laughs> but they were cats. <laughs> And I just kept, like, I was on an end of a dock trying to save them. I want to talk to the writing team of your dreams. Girl, they are doing too much drugs. (laughs) Love that. Anyway. Okay. Are you ready for my next one? Yes. So ready. Michael Packard, 56, a commercial lobster diver, had quite the encounter in early June while on the job. (laughs) He was diving when he thought he had been attacked by a shark. He felt a huge bump, and then everything went dark. Uh-oh. Packard says, Then I felt around and realized there were no teeth, and I felt really no great pain, and then I realized, Oh my god, I'm in a whale's mouth. <laughs> I'm in a whale's mouth, and he's trying to eat me. <laughs> it's, not- <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, he didn't die. Imagine your brain having to fire the synopsis to say, oh my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. I truly don't know that my brain would come to that conclusion. Mine would never. I don't. I think I would just get eaten because I couldn't, I would not be able to figure it out. I don't even think a whale could swallow you. Oh, it can. Uh, In all, he thinks that he was in the whale's mouth for about 30 seconds. He started punching and thrashing around and the whale took him up to the surface and went, no, thank you. Spit him out. Spit him out. Joe Francis, a fellow crewman, told WBZ TV, I saw Mike coming flying out of the water, his feet first with his flippers on, (laughs) and land back in the water. I jumped aboard the boat. We got him, got his tank off, got him on the deck, and calmed him down. And he goes, Joe, I was in the mouth of a whale. Uh, Ian Kerr, the chief executive officer of the Massachusetts-based conservation nonprofit Ocean Alliance, explained that humpback whales are known for lunge eating, in which they open their mouths, accelerate, and take in 10 SUVs worth of water and fish and everything else in its way. That's how I make my way through a burrito. (laughs) Um, They believe that the humpback swallowing Mike was an accident. Humans aren't typically on the menu. Mike survived with only a few bruises and walked out of the hospital the same day. He says he'll be back in the water as soon as he's fully healed. (laughs) So I'm going to swallow that whale right back. (laughs) 
I'm going to go teach it a lesson. Uh, so yeah. That is hysterical. Short and sweet, but oh, oh my God. <laughs> what? Can you imagine? No. No, obviously No, can't. I can't. <laughs> Talk about giant fleshy mouths. Yeah. Uh. Um, do you remember the conversation that we had about when people are like wild conspiracy theorists? You just have to out conspiracy yes. them. Yeah. Okay. So this was posted on Reddit by the username Halifax. And he writes, fourth year med student reporting in, had a rotation with a pediatrician where we ended up in the classic encounter with an anti-vax parent. Oh, God. The lady was a conspiracy theory magnet. She casually mentioned everything from 9-11 to chemtrails. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Of course, she loved the idea of the vaccine conspiracy as well, opting to not protect her one-year-old uh, to stick it to big pharma. Uh-huh. I relate all of this to my attending after my exam. I would see the patient first, gather history, do my exam to present to my attending. He got this sort of lazy smirk on his face that screamed, watch this. Oh, no. We go back to the exam room and we cover all of the important bits of a well-child encounter. Growth charts, behavioral milestones, nutrition, sleep. And then we get to vaccines. She lists approximately 15 reasons why vaccines are more dangerous than the disease they protect against, lol, in addition to the various evils of the pharmaceutical industry. My attending listens quietly until she's done with her soapbox about one eternity later and then interjects with this. Have you considered the possibility that anti-vaccine propaganda could be an attempt by the Russians or the Chinese to weaken the health of the United States population? Oh, in a moment of catastrophic cognitive dissonance, I swear I heard a strange popping noise as her brain misfired. (laughs) It actually broke her. The allure of the increasingly ridiculous conspiracy theory was just too strong. She ended up agreeing to a modified vaccine schedule. I was flabbergasted. My attending just grinned at me in response. To this day, I'm not sure the medical ethics of this situation are to- totally palatable, but damn, the results were amazing. <laughs> Effective. Effective. I love that. <laughs> we gotta out conspiracy theory them. <laughs> you believe in the moon, bro? <laughs> I can't believe you even believe in the moon. <sighs> <clears throat> this one was a weird one. I'd never heard of this one. Okay. All right. <clears throat> A crowd formed in Warsaw, Poland in June to watch a flower bloom. What? The flower everyone was dying to see was called a, I'm so sorry, uh, Sumatran Titan Arum. Wow. I'm so sorry. Uh, also known as a corpse flower. <gasps> oh. Yeah, do you know what this is? I know. Yeah. I had never heard of this. It's so cool. The corpse flower only grows in the wild in the rainforests of Sumatra, but it is endangered there due to deforestation, cultivation, cultivation, yeah, tried to throw a Z in there for some reason. Okay. (laughs) Cultivation at botanical gardens where they are uh, a great visitor attraction has helped its preservation. The Warsaw Botanical Garden has one and it went into a very rare and brief bloom on Sunday, June 13th. By Monday, it had already begun to wilt. Wow. The corpse flower is the largest unbranched flower in the world, which can be up to 10 feet high. Its compound flower is composed of a hollow, tall spatix with small flowers and a spathe with one big furrowed petal that is green on the outside and deep burgundy on the inside. Basically, it is one giant flower that smells like actual whole ass dead body. Hence corpse flower? Yep. The horrible odor it gives off attracts pollinating insects that feed on flesh. And people came from all around the world to see it. Oh, dang, that is a dumb-looking flower. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's huge. I can hear it singing Feed Me Seymour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. so cool. Well, I'm plant shorty, mine. shrimpy ones, but interesting. Um, mine is less shorty. Okay. And less shrimpy. Um, mine is a news article. And uh, in ex- it reads, half the DNA on the New York City subway matches no known organism. Uh, uh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> bro, what? Prepare to be grossed out. Uh, I'm already grossed out. The results of a massive new DNA sequencing project on the New York City subway have just been published. And yep, there's a lot of bacteria on the subway, though we know most of it is harmless. What's really important, though, is what we don't know about it. Oh, no. Even with the best technologies, we now have uh, what we now have are ultimately crude tools to grope at a vast unseen world. It may be hard to intuit whether it makes sense for Acinetobacter or Enterococcus to be on the subway. But the research team found plenty of non-microbial DNA, too, and a lot of it didn't make sense. According to the WSJ, human DNA was prevalent, as were beetle and fly DNA. Those make sense. Ooh. We actually don't know about cockroaches because their genome has not yet been sequenced. Really? Really. That's weird. The next most prevalent type of DNA, though, is Cucumber. When was the last time you saw someone just going to town on a cucumber on the subway? What? More than likely, there was an error in the computer program that grouped all plant material under cucumber, but they can't really figure out how or why or if that actually happened. And then there were straight up weird ones. Okay. Initial database searches with subway DNA, for instance, turned up matches to the Tasmanian Devil. A Himalayan yak. What? And the Mediterranean fruit fly. All creatures highly unlikely to be found in a New York transit system. That's why some of the microbial DNA that sounds alarming, anthrax, for instance, is no reason to be calling Homeland Security just yet. None of this detracts, of course, from how incredibly interesting urban microbiology really is. The city is an organism and we're slowly beginning to understand its microbiome. Studying how bacteria, be they pathogens or scavengers or simply harmless microbes spread through the urban environment could yield new insights into how a city works. Huh. They just Gross. found that that's they just found a bunch of stuff that belongs to no just a miss. It's a melting pot of DNA that belongs to nothing. Yak. Who, who brings a yak onto the subway? Right. Who's just throwing around cucumbers? <laughs> I'm going to start carrying cucumbers in my bag. Yeah? Just to, just to leave. Just fuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, people from year, for years to come are going to be asking the age-old question, why cucumbers, though? People in four years are going to find it and be like, who left a pickle on the subway? Ew. <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh, that was oh. good. So... Do you have a bright and shiny? Uh, my bright and shiny is that um, a donut mm-hmm. has been extra schnoogly. Oh, sweet boy. Which normally he's being a hellion. Yes. And only schnoogles when the sun goes down. Uh, but now he sh- is extra schnoogly all the time. And he's just laying in all of my empty boxes that are lying around my house and just having the time of his life right now. Oh, fun. Sweet boy. He's having the best heck in time. He's having the best heck in time. He's so happy without him on a space, too. 
Yes. He, um, watching him learn, <laughs> he's so fat and dumb. I love him so much. Watching him try to come downstairs <laughs> was a treat. The, the back feet trying to go before the front feet. He, he couldn't figure it out. Right now he's going down them like a little cattywampus, like at an angle. Uh-huh. Cause that's the only way he can do it. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Catty wampus. <laughs> Cat. What's your bright and shiny? Um, this is gonna sound a little bit vain, and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> I have zero problems being in front of people, being in front of a camera. In fact, if there's a camera, please put me in front of it. And for work, we got to film a uh, training video. <gasps> cool. And I got to spend an entire day with Cleveland Cleveland Film Company, and. We were on a set and there was like booms and really expensive cameras and like technology I don't know how to use. Oh my God. And a director and a cameraman and an audio director person. Man, they really, really went all out for this training video. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've worked with them a couple of times before in the past, but this was the first time I showed up and they knew who I was. I knew who they were. And that was really cool. And there was one scene we were filming where they wanted, uh, there were two cameras. One was facing me and one was facing uh, my coworker, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of like crossing each other so that it would be like an over the shoulder shot. Yeah. And Jenny, one of my bucket list items that I did not even know was a bucket list item came true in that very moment. What happened? When the director squared his fingers and looked at me through his fingers. (gasps) With one eye closed, trying to get me in frame, and I could have died. <laughs> like, yes, admire me. I seriously was like, my heart is beating so fast that this just actually it's... happened to me and not a... Do you need me to do this to you more often? Yeah, I don't know why you don't already. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid, but I was so happy. That that moment happened to me in my life in a way that was genuine. I love how much joy this has brought you. (laughs) It is bringing me secondhand joy. Thank you. I can't wait to show you. It is a it's a training video. It's not anything like glamorous, but it was a lot of fun, and it was a long day. We were there Mm. for nine hours. Holy lord! And it was a four page script. It was short. But it was a long day. Wow. The amount of dedication that these guys have to their craft is amazing. It was so cool to watch them. And there it's three guys that are just nerds. I love that. And they're so they speak a whole different language. Their communication was it was so cool to watch because they over-communicate everything because if they don't, then something doesn't happen. Right. And so it doesn't matter how little or how big the ask was. If somebody said, hey, Jason, can you grab this out of the fridge? Jason would say, heard, and do it. And because that way, like, the other person has, doesn't have to look up from what they're doing to, to ensure that their direction is being heard. And followed and follow that. I just was, it it was so secondhand for them. It was not something that they even thought about doing. That's just how they communicated. It was so So cool. So cool. And watching them like talk about the different cameras and the different lenses and all of these things that make so much sense to them, but sounded like a different language to me. (laughs) 
was, like, I'll just sit here and look pretty. It was so fun to watch. And, like, rewriting script and stuff like that. It was so, it was fun. Well, and as somebody who, like, is such, like, a TV and movie buff, yeah. I'm sure that that is, is something that is so up your alley of interest. Oh, like, and, of course, I don't know how much they work with people who are interested in what they do. Like, I don't ever have a desire to, like, learn how to use a camera like that, but I am interested in it. Yeah. And one of the guys said something like, "It'll I, this is not an accurate representation okay i am i am stupid (laughs) but it was like we're gonna use an 11 by 16 and it'll translate to a 34 by 48 and i was like huh that's a lot of numbers for an arts degree (laughs) how big is the tv (laughs) and like they stopped and like wanted to explain it to me and i was like i really don't need like we can glaze past for you but and the director was like we really gotta stay on track here guys like we're a little bit behind but both the other guys were like trying to show me on their phones like what they meant, and I was like, "Oh, oh God. okay, I can't ask questions. This is so sweet, and it was so, so wholesome to just watch them love what they got to do, and I got to do that all day. Sweet, honey. So that's my what long... a fun day. It was very fun. I love that for you. Yeah, I will do this to you every time I see you now. Oh my gosh, that I know that that sounds very incredibly vain of me, but it was a it was a dream come true that I didn't even know I had. I love that. A surprise dream. <laughs> the universe has thrown you a bone. Yeah, it's just a bonus. <laughs> so, um, welcome to the first Tuesday in July. We hope your July is super amazing and that you don't sweat to death. Best of luck. Best of luck. Best of luck. <laughs> May it's the gonna, odds be ever in your favor. It's going to be hot as hell. Yes. Um, so be kind to yourself. And to others. Goodbye. Goodbye.